It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. On today's show, we're going to preview a pivotal game five and what it all means, including Russell Westbrook being out again, Darius Baisley needing more minutes in a big Big concern around the game of James Harden, but today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off that next order. So I want to start with just this game overview. Game 5, it's the swing game. The series is tied two games apiece. It's a best of three series from here on out. And Russell Westbrook is not going to play yet again. And I want to start there. Because to me, this is the biggest storyline of this entire series, not necessarily just for the off-the-court drama that is Russell Westbrook playing his former team. I think it goes deeper than that. You look at Russell Westbrook, and he's one of the only guys in which there is no question about what motivates him. There is no question that he's a competitor. He, for better or worse, is a stone-cold killer on the basketball floor. He will do whatever it takes to win. He'll do whatever it takes to get out there. He will play through anything. And you don't think that in a tied series with his old team, a team that watched him grow, helped him grow, and he, he's only known this organization until this year, in his first ever playoff run with Houston, and with the series tied up, and this will be the first time that this team could get out of the first round since Kevin Durant left, something Russell Westbrook could not do on his own for various reasons the last few years. You don't think that he is dying to get on that floor? I think Russell Westbrook is chomping at the bit to get on the floor. I really do. And for Houston, there's no need to slow play it. Now, I will say uh, that... This game is much like game one. Now, you don't want to lose it in a three-game series because you'd have to come back and win two straight. But it's, it's again, you have some leeway here in a tied series. The series is not going to be over if you lose this ball game. So if he takes an extra, an extra game to get to 100%, then so be it. But I don't think that Russell Westbrook is close to 100%. I think if he was close to 100%, he would be playing in game five tonight. I really do because of all those factors that, that go on on the outside that Russell Westbrook truly cares about. So to me, this has to be a grade three right quad strain, and the question becomes if he can play or when he does play, whichever it is, what can he do on the floor? Because he's not a shooter like the rest of this team. He needs his explosiveness. He needs his ability to drive to the rim. With that quad strain, can he do it? Can he get to the rim effectively? Can he play his style of basketball? Can he play as aggressively? I think it should be a huge concern that he's not playing in Game 5. If you're in Houston uh, or just a huge Russell Westbrook fan, uh, this is a huge concern to me moving forward for at least this series. Now, maybe uh, he'll need this series off, and, and they're just, you know, Houston has known that from the get-go, but they're still going to use this gamesmanship of, well, we don't know if he's going to play or not going to play. Maybe they knew all along he was not going to play this series, period, no matter what happened. And if they get to the second round, then he'll be able to go then. 
but to me, this does not spell anything but trouble for Houston in this first round in the sense of getting Russell Westbrook back on that basketball floor. Because if he can't come back in a tied series, then what's his next point of coming back? It would have to be a game seven. I mean, it just has to be. If you're not going to play at 2-2, why would you play at 3-2? And on that game seven, your first game back, are you going to have the explosiveness? Are you going to have the time to knock the rust off? Are you going to have the ability to play at your level? I'm really worried about Russell Westbrook not playing at all in this series after what happened today on the injury report. I'm, I'm really worried about that. Now, for Oklahoma City, uh, you can look at that as a positive if you want to. We've talked about how Russell Westbrook might have a negative impact on Houston. Uh, but still, uh, I want to see this series so bad of Russell Westbrook going at Chris Paul because you saw Ricky Rubio get him out of sorts. You saw Damian Lillard get him out of sorts. And Chris Paul is one of the biggest agitators in the NBA. I want to see what he does going up against Russell Westbrook. But we probably won't get to see that because, again, 2-2 series, playing your old team, trying to stop them from doing something you couldn't do since Kevin Durant left. And I think it's very fair and valid to say that Russell Westbrook is the biggest competitor in the sport. Uh, he's, he's the closest to an MJ mentality. He's the closest to an old school mentality. I think that that's incredibly fair to say that he truly does live and die with this game. And for him not to be able to go out there with Everything that's laid at his feet in this series means he's really hurting, and that's just that's just sad to see, especially for someone who uh, Oklahoma City has such an, an emotional interest in, an investment in to him. You you never want to see injuries, but for it to happen to him, who you know it's just eating him up to not be on that floor, it's just it's just disheartening. It really is. So I, I do worry uh, about his future. Uh, in this series. Now, again, maybe all along, this was what Houston was prepared for. They knew, okay, we're going to act like we don't know, but we do know that he's out for the first round. And if we get to the second round, great, we're ready to go. But he's not, he's going to be shut down for this round. But each game and each day that co- that goes by, we're going to give out these, uh, these haphazard reports to make Oklahoma City prepare for him. Maybe that's the case. And maybe Russell Westbrook understands that as well. But I, I just don't see how he can't play in this game. And again, there's no reason to play next game until a game seven happens. I mean, if, you, if you're up 3-2 for Houston, uh, why would he play next game if, if they're up 3-2? Now, if they're down 3-2, the pressure, the pressure switches over. We've talked about what pressure kind of boils into. Uh, and we'll talk about that again for this game. Because I think the, that the pressure of this game is totally and absolutely on Houston. I think that Oklahoma City has the momentum. And part of what's given them that momentum is Billy Donovan figuring out the role for Steven Adams. And I know that we do this podcast every day, but most of you uh, can't just sit here and listen every day. So I do want to reiterate this uh, for the people who, who haven't been able to listen every single day. Uh, whenever I say can't play Adams, I understand that in a postgame recap with a lot going on, uh, it might sound a certain way. I don't mean you play him zero minutes, but you pick your spots. You can't play him his load, his normal majority of those minutes at center. He cannot do that in this specific series. So playing him 20 to 26 minutes a night, the way that you did in game three, if you're Billy Donovan, worked out perfectly because in those 26 minutes, Steven Adams could go all out and and try to do what he's best at and try to give Houston a different look. And then you go small and you get an even better opportunity offensively. You get even better as a team when you go small. But for those 26 minutes, Steven Adams uh, can you know, lean on some guys in the post and he can do certain things down low to kind of wear out a a Houston team that's not as deep. The problem is 
It's simple math. I mean, threes are worth more than twos, and if Steven Adams cannot provide you a three ball on the other end, obviously, and he's also giving up threes at will at the defensive end, you just cannot play him for those 36 minutes. He's going to get exposed, and he has been exposed at that. But in twenty in a 26-minute mark, a 26-minute you know reduction in minutes and everything like that, Adams has played well when his role gets reduced. And I, that's what I've been calling for all along. So Billy Donovan did what I said, and the team worked out better. The team looked better offensively, uh, and then the team won and tied this series up. And part of going small is playing Darius Baisley. I want to see Darius Baisley get most, if not all, of the Nerlens Noel minutes. Now, I think that Baisley should get every single minute you were going to give to Noel. I think that Noel is the guy who should play zero minutes. Now, again, Adams, I say that you can't play in the sense of you cannot close with him, but I think you still play him minutes. Noel, to me, uh, should have zero minutes. Noel played a little bit better in game three, but still not, to me, worthy enough to to get minutes over Baisley. But I would be totally fine if Baisley gets those minutes and gets most of those Noel minutes. If Noel has to come in and play five minutes here or whatever the case may be, uh, that's okay. Uh, but I want to see Baisley improve on what he did last game, which he, he did get 18 minutes last game, and I believe Noel had 16 minutes uh, around that ballpark. I, I would like to see Baisley continue to rise up the rotation and continue to up the ante of how many minutes he's playing because Baisley has proven to be a difference maker in this series. You've gotten to see Baisley's entire arsenal on display in these first three or four games. He's shown you that, that Darius Baisley is a complete package. He can dribble the ball with, with immense ball handling. He can be an effective playmaker. He can be a spot-up shooter. He can beat you off the dribble to the rim. He can use a step-back three. He's shown you that in his arsenal, he has a lot of different ways to become a productive and be a productive NBA player. And defensively, he's a lot better than Noel and Adams. In this matchup, because again, Noel is a much better rim protector. Adams is a much better anchor of your defense than Baisley. But on the perimeter, Baisley is a much better defender. And, and at closing out on guys, Baisley is a much better defender. So he's providing more offensively for you. He's also providing more in this matchup defensively for you. So I want to see Baisley just get a ton of minutes in this game. I've been beating the drum for Darius Baisley. Building block Baisley is what I call him. I've been beating the drum for Darius Baisley for a long time. And I want to see it pay off in Game 5. I think that that can be a real key. And I've been talking about Darius Baisley being an X-Factor in every single preview. No matter who I was with, with the, with, the, with the Thunder Media episode or Jackson Gatlin or just by myself, I've been beating the drum for Darius Baisley being an X-Factor in this series. And he can really do it. I really think he can do it in Game 5. I think that his minutes will continue to rise up, hopefully, if Billy Donovan continues to go that way. And he will have a huge impact, huge impact in Game 5. Coming up, though, we still need to talk about the huge question mark surrounding James Harden's game and also why the Houston role players might be cooling off. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I do want to continue to talk about Lou Dort on James Harden, and we praise Lou Dort's defensive abilities on the last three episodes uh, of this podcast, and we talked about 
how he did a great job of defending James Harden uh, in that in that first meeting and second meeting without fouling. Uh, and then on this last game, you saw him get into foul trouble a little bit, but he was able to keep defending him with five fouls against James Harden, who is known for drawing the most amount of fouls in the most gimmicky way possible. And still couldn't foul out Lou Dort and couldn't get Lou Dort off of him in that way. And you saw Houston game plan around Lou Dort and try to get switches and try to get that matchup away from James Harden. And it's just it, it, that should really put into perspective for you just how good Lou Dort is. That as a rookie, he's getting game planned around by James Harden's offense. James Harden wants to take Lou Dort out of the picture whenever he has the basketball. That's how frustrating Lou Dort has been on James Harden. And you look at this series and specifically that last game, there is no Russell Westbrook on the floor, so James Harden is really doing this all by himself. Now, he has gotten some great performances from role players like Ben McLemore in that first game, like Jeff Green in every single game of this series, like Daniel House in every single game of the series. He's gotten some great contributions from his role players. But by and large, the, the workload, the offensive load has been put onto James Harden. And then isolation-style basketball, dribbling the clock out, you know how James Harden plays, and that wears on you. And you saw that in game four. Late in that game, he was not hitting threes. Every shot was short, which typically tells you guys are losing their legs. And in this bubble postseason, you're playing every other day. You don't get that extra travel day. You're playing every other day. So how much more can James Harden give you, especially whenever he's being chased around by Lou Dort? Because there's plenty of possessions in which Houston tries to game plan around Lou Dort, but Lou Dort is so good, he can fight around the screen and continue to guard James Harden, which is even more frustrating. So I want to see Harden's fatigue levels, because late in that game, Harden was missing everything short. Just absolutely everything was short, and he looked like he had no legs. I would expect him uh, to be good in this first three quarters, and in that fourth quarter, what does Harden look like? And now Harden is a, is a great player, and he could obviously put it together for this Game 5 and be fine in, in the fourth quarter and have enough gas. But at some point here, without his best running mate in Russell Westbrook, when does that toll become too much for James Harden? Just in the simple sense of fatigue, not, not that he can't score at will, not that he's not good enough to be a leader, none of that. I'm just talking about the simple fact of being fatigued. At what point has he ran out of gas by playing every other day and every other day being the focal point of an offense? Again, even with travel days, these guys are traveling in luxury now. I know it's harder to play on the road, especially with the road environment and things like that, but it's still an extra day to to get treatments and to get things like that once you land in, in where you're going and once you get to where you're going. And, and in the playoffs, most teams leave leave early that way they have that 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 quote-unquote travel day is really spent already at that team's city and and getting some getting some work done on their bodies and things like that you're playing every other day boom 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 Uh, that's going to really cause I think some problems later on this postseason but you're seeing with James Harden now who's having to carry more of a load than expected because he doesn't have Russell Westbrook with him so I just wonder about Harden's fatigue I really do and again that's no indictment on him as a player it's just the simple facts of the matter that you know, with all of these shots, with all of this pressure put on you, you're going to get tired. So I want to see how he holds up for four quarters. I fully expect James Harden to have a really good game in this in, the, in this game five. I really do. I think he's going to have a really good game. He's going to put it all out there. I think that we're going to see uh, the best version and the most motivated version of James Harden in this series. Because this is a pivotal game five. 
It's hard to keep calling them a must-win, uh, but you think about what it does to the Thunder. They just won two straight games. If they lose this game, they're down 3-2, and they have to win two straight again. They, they absolutely have to win two straight again. They can't slip up anymore. That, that, is a, that is a tough blow to your confidence level. On the flip side of that, if Houston loses, now you've lost three straight games in a row, and you've got to respond with two straight victories without Russell Westbrook in all likelihood. So this is a big game five for both sides, especially on the mental side of this series. Now, no matter who wins this game uh, today, I don't think that the series is over. I think that we've seen after going down 0-2 and the Thunder battling back, this is going to be the series we thought it was before the series started. It doesn't matter how ugly and disgusting and terrible those two games looked. And you can say all you want to at home that you didn't count this Thunder team out, but there is no way any logical and smart basketball mind could watch those first two games and say, oh, you know what? The Thunder have this. They're going to come back and they're going to win this series or they're going to tie this series up even. If you really thought that, then you're just a homer and you're illogical. And that's totally fine as well. We love homers and we love fans. That's what helps drive this podcast to have a historic week last week with all of you fans listening at home. Uh, So we love that part. Uh, But uh, I find it hard to take shots at media members who who thought the series was over at 0-2. And I was one of them. I thought the series was over at 0-2. And it wasn't because you were down two games. It was because of how poor those two games looked. So you either didn't watch the games or... You're an irrational homer, which is totally fine. And we love irrational homers because it helps us get paid. So you look at this series, and I just worry about Game 5 for James Harden uh, fatigue-wise, but I think that Game 5 is the biggest game in each series whenever it's 2-2 because of what it does for you to flip your series around. Uh, I really do. So for me, I hate to do this again. I really do. But for me, everything's favoring Oklahoma City because I wonder how the Houston role players are going to respond they Houston's role players have not had a game in which you look at them and say wow if Houston wants to win this game it is all James Harden or nothing he is getting no help they're freezing up they're in the postseason and can't do anything to help him this is on James Harden and that's not to say James Harden has not had good games in the series I'm just saying he's gotten help which is good for him and good for Houston. He's gotten that help from role players, but there's a reason they're role players, and I wonder if we're going to have a disastrous game where it is going to be all on James Harden, and if, the, and if Houston wants to win, it'll be James Harden dragging them across the finish line. And for all we know, they won't have that game, and the Houston role players, like Jeff Green, who has been phenomenal since being in Houston and being that backup five spot and being that starting five spot, uh, he, he has been phenomenal in Houston, so maybe this carries over the entire series. Maybe he lights it up. We saw Ben McLemore start to get exposed a little bit last game, and Dennis really took him, took it to him defensively whenever Ben McLemore just couldn't play a lick of defense against Dennis. So we saw him start to get exposed a little bit. Can Daniel House slow down, who's just been lights out this postseason? And maybe they can. Maybe Houston's role players can continue this play. I'm not doubting that. I'm just questioning uh, what could happen. You know, Could they take that step back? Because you can admit when you look at Daniel House, Jeff Green, Ben McLemore, Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker, uh, and Eric Gordon's been a, dis- a disaster this series. You know, this season, this series has been really good, but this season he has not been good. And Houston fans have complained about him this season, but in this series has been really good. You start to go down the list here. At what point does Ben McLemore not look like the Ben McLemore more we've seen this series, and more like the Ben McLemore we've seen over his career? At what point, or if ever, does, James, does Jeff Green slow down? 
Same thing with Daniel House and 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 uh, PJ Tucker and Eric Gordon. Same same thing with all of them. And again, maybe they just have a phenomenal role player series and they each play fantastic games every single game of this series. That could totally happen. But I do wonder if we're going to get a bad role player game from Houston. Just like I wonder if you've gone to BuiltBar.com yet and ordered yourself a huge box of protein bars because these are the best protein bars you're ever going to find. With 100% chocolate on the outside, it is phenomenal. It has everything you need in a protein bar. They're great for pre-workout, post-workout, or even as a meal replacement. You can use them for breakfast on the go. You can use them for lunch. It's, it's truly perfect. It really is. It's great for the keto diet. It has everything you need. And now, Built Bar is redesigned, rebranded, and has new flavors that you can go check out on their website. And so now you can get $10 off your next order with the promo code locked on. Again, that's $10 off your next order. So if you've ordered there before, you can use this code again and get $10 off of that order. I highly recommend checking out Built Bar. It's a fantastic protein bar. There's no chalky aftertaste. There's no weird aftertaste like in most protein bars. This is the one for you. If you've been looking for a protein bar, this is the one you're going to want to try out is Built Bar at BuiltBar.com. Use promo code locked on, get $10 off that next order. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So just like Houston has not had that game from their role players once they just don't show up and you know it'll be the James Harden show, I called Gallinari the MVP of this series if the Thunder win. Whenever we did our predictions over at, at DailyThunder.com, I said that if, if the Thunder win in seven like I predict, it'll be Gallinari who has a huge impact in this series. And he's performed very well in this series. But he still, even while performing very well, has not had that just lights-out, unconscious game from beyond the arc where he is just hitting everything and is sparking the thunder from three-point land. Can you get that out of Gallinari in Game 5? I mean, what would that unlock for this team if Gallinari can just go just ballistic from three-point land? What, What can that do for this offense? It'll be incredible if you can get a good three-point game from Gallinari. And I'm not saying he hasn't been good this series. He, he truly has been really good this series. But I'm just talking about that takeover great game from beyond the arc. He's been really good this series. Can he be great from beyond the arc? And you, you shift over to Dennis Schroeder, who looks like himself again. He missed most of the seeding games. And he looks like he's got his legs back. He looks like... He has his rhythm back. His, his, his rest is off. He's taking better shots. He's getting better looks. He's attacking the basket better. He looks like he's doing everything better. And I said it on the recap show. There is nothing you can look at from game four involving Dennis that you say he needs to be better at. He was efficient. He was effective. He carried the offense. Dennis was amazing in game four. Is he fully back? Is that who he's going to be now after shaking off that rust of missing out in those seeding games because of the birth of his child? Is that who's going to be now? Is he fully back? And I think he is. I think that Dennis Schroeder is going to have a huge impact in Game 5. I think that what you saw uh, in Game 4 is what you're going to get in Game 5. He he is just playing incredible this last game, and he's really these last two games. only thing about the, the, the game prior to Game 4, Game 3, 
was uh, the shot selection. Still was not his typical shot selection. He jacked too many threes, and he got that under control and shot efficiently from three-point land in game four. I think that he's going to do the same thing in game five and just really help lift this Thunder squad. And, you know, speaking of what could happen, each game, Shea has gotten more confident. He's gotten more of his swagger back. He's gotten more into his rhythm. He's found holes in the Houston defense each game. After being shut out in game one and, and look, looking lost in game one, Shea has improved each and every game. And that's what I said about Shea is that, look, I know he had a bad game one, but this is someone who performed so well as a rookie in Oracle and pushed the Warriors to seven. He's going to have these breakout games for the Thunder, and he's built on that each game since then. You saw that perfect first quarter he had in game four. Is this game five the game that he puts it all together and has that jaw-dropping game? Just wow. Just wow. That's why Shea is your cornerstone. That's why Shea is your future. Because of what he's going to do in game five. Can that be what he does? You know, I, I hate to sound as if I'm a homer. And some of you, uh, judging by my Stephen Adams takes, don't, don't think I'm anywhere close to a homer. But I really think that this Thunder team, offensively, is starting to find what, what they're doing and find their rhythm. I think that Shea... It's going to have a big game. I think Dennis will duplicate what he did in game four. I think that Gallinari is getting in there as well. I think that they're putting it all together at the right time. Chris Paul looked better in game four. And I think that Shea, you've seen him build and build and build on these first four games. I think that Shea in game five is going to have Thunder fans jaws to the floor for how good he's going to be in game five. I really do. It's just some weird feeling I have about Shea because he's shown you, and at each game, he's getting better. He's shown you he can be a leading scorer, not only on this team in the regular season, but he can be your go-to scorer on this team in the postseason. And he's getting plenty of minutes from Billy Donovan. I think that that continues, and it leads to way more offensive production. He's been fantastic last game. And again, he's been building on each game. I think game five, everyone will be coming away from that game saying that was a Shea game. That was the Shea game that let us know he's our guy. He is our guy. If you don't know already, which most of you do. But I'm just saying, this is going to be the, the first of many playoff moments for Shea in Oklahoma City. This will be the first of many playoff moments for Shea in Oklahoma City. So we move now into the keys to the game. They're pretty simple. It's going to be the same as always. Number one, you've got to run fast. You saw how much more successful this Thunder offense was when they got out and, run, and ran in transition. Whenever they got out in transition, and whenever even in non-transition possessions, they still ran up tempo and didn't dribble the clock out and dump it down low and things like that. They played their flowing offense. You saw how much better they got. And for two straight games, which, which were two straight wins, you closed – with the small lineup. So in number two, the key, the second key of the game is don't be afraid of that small lineup. Not only should you close with it, but in big situations, in, in big spots, that should be the lineup on the floor. It's proven to be effective against Houston. And number three for me, and you can let me know your keys of the game on Twitter, at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. My number three key to the game is close out on every single shooter. Look, I am totally fine with giving up layups to this Houston team. And I've pointed out plays on Twitter in which your rotations were crisp, you played great defense, you closed out on shooters, and you forced them, being Houston, 
to do what they don't want to do, and that's go get two points instead of three. I am perfectly fine with if you're gonna get, if you're gonna give up an open shot, give up a give up a layup. Don't give up a three pointer. I want to see each and every three point shot heavily contested, even if that means giving up some layups because of the fact of what we mentioned with the role players. They have not had that bad game yet, and part of that is because they get too comfortable early. I want to see if you can test every shot and a couple of those shots don't go in early, how much more apprehensive are they to take those shots again and how much more confidence do they lack and everything that goes with that. And can that throw the role players off their game early if you can contest and close out on every single shot? I want to see you put pressure on the Houston shooters because Houston has the pressure on them. They were up 2-0 in this series. And the last two games, they could have, they could have, for all intents and purposes, closed you out. Because you go down 3-0 or 3-1, the chances of you winning that series are reduced to about 1%. And I've got news for you. Steph Curry's not walking through that door. Game six, Klay Thompson is not walking through that door. If this team was down 3-1, the series would be over. If this team was down 3-0, the series would be over. And Oklahoma City battled back after looking terrible for the first two games of the series, they adjusted to you. They threw a counterpunch to you, Houston. And how is Houston going to respond? The pressure is fully on Houston. So make these role players feel that pressure even more. Get them off their spots even more. And I think it can unravel on them quickly. And it will turn into just the James Harden show. Who we've mentioned is having some fatigue issues because it's, it's really hard to do what James Harden does. From an offensive standpoint, from how much ISO they run, it's really hard to do that. So take away some of his role players and and maybe knock them uh, down a peg or two confidence-wise from shooting from distance, and maybe it unravels on Houston and you get a huge Game 5 win. The bet of the game. Houston is a three-point favorite. Now, I have this feeling that I haven't had since Game 1 that the Thunder are going to win this game. But the last two games, I've bet on Houston. And the first two games, I bet on Oklahoma City. So out of, out of abundance of caution and superstition, I'm going to vote and, and bet on Houston minus three. Disclaimer for the NCAA. Totally not actually betting. This is for entertainment purposes only. This is only for keeping track of what I would have gotten right or wrong. No money is being exchanged. Please do not fire me, NCAA. Now, moving on to the Thunder money ball of the game. I've got Shea leading the Thunder in three-pointers. And that's the Moneyball bet of the game. Who will lead the team in three-pointers? For me, it's Shea. You can let me know on Twitter who you're betting on in this game, Houston or Oklahoma City. Houston, again, is a three-point favorite. And who you think the Thunder will will have lead them in three-pointers made on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. Is that R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S? If you don't have Twitter, you can always email the show, lothunderpod at gmail.com. So we will be back again to recap a pivotal Game 5. Tomorrow, this is the only podcast in which you get a Thunder podcast every single day. And once again, I know that, that not everyone can listen every single day, so I do want to reiterate that last week was a historic week for Locked on Thunder, the most listened to week of all time of this show. And people who have hosted hosted this show before me include Fred Katz and Brady Trantham and some great people. Uh, and so the fact that you've made this last week historic is just unbelievable and I cannot thank each and every one of you who've downloaded the show and listened to the show making that possible and so we'll be back tomorrow to recap a pivotal game five be good and be good to one another 
We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.